Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org. Hope you'll check out ProgressiveChristianity.org, all the wonderful resources there. You'll follow them online, and you'll also follow us online, on social media, and everywhere you get your podcasts. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mark. How are you doing today, Mark? What's going on, Caleb? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this next entry into the Marvel Studios lineup. Me too, because today we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And yeah. I know, Mark, that you have been looking as forward to this as I have uh, for a long, long time. So I'm glad we finally yeah. got it. But hey, before we get into it, we've got yeah. to let you know, if you haven't seen it, it's only been out for a few days. We yep. will spoil it for you. So if you are wanting to go into the movie theater fresh, then you might want to put pause, push pause, go and watch it and come back. Or Absolutely. if you want some theological insight, whenever you go to yeah. see it, you might want to listen, you know, you and go. then you can go yeah. in and you can say, hey, Mark and Kim, yeah. we're talking about that. Hey, excellent. we yeah. always start off with a drink. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear what drink oh. you've got today, Mark. <laughs> what did you decide to My, do? I'll be honest. It's not all that exciting. But what I decided yeah. to do was in, my, in the Guardian of the Galaxies, who, who is known for its soundtrack, probably my favorite song in terms of its use and when we first heard it was the song Cherry Bomb. So mm -hmm. uh, my drink is a drink called... A cherry bomb. You can a see it's bomb. a really bright and, and uh, uh -huh. like a cherry. And it's nothing more than cherry lemonade and bourbon. So I'm Ooh. drinking a cherry bomb. How about you? It's really hard to go wrong with that. Okay, so yeah, I was good. inspired by a scene in the movie where yeah. they are in uh, a house on counter earth. And they are given a refreshment. Oh, yeah, a, the blue soda can. thing. The yeah. blue soda thing. Yeah, so I've got a blue soda thing. That's oh, okay. actually what I've called it, nice. the blue soda thing. And it <laughs> is, you like it? So Love it's it. vanilla vodka, blue curacao, and Sprite, a blue soda thing that is spiked. Cheers well, yeah, to well, you, Mark. Cheers to you, sir. Oh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, let's have a few more <laughs> sips and let's come back and get into it. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Geek Out Woo! of the show. And I mm -hmm. tell you, uh, we allot a certain amount of time that we usually stick pretty closely to. And I can tell you, there is no way that we're going to cover everything we would like to cover. <laughs> we could geek out about this for an hour straight, I have a feeling. But and we would. We would. We absolutely would. Uh, for those who have not seen the show, or maybe are not even familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy but are still listening, I'm just going to give you the official plot synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, in which they say, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, our beloved band of misfits are looking a bit different these days. Peter Quill, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, 
must rally his team around him to defend the universe along with protecting one of their own. A mission that, if not completed successfully, could quite possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to start a little bit by putting this movie in conversation with the other ones. So I'm curious, what did you think of the first two Guardian movies? And then where does this one rank within them for you? Oh, yeah, that's tough. I So yeah. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And I I think I, like most people, wasn't super familiar with them before they, they came out. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I know this was kind of... They're kind of minor characters, comic Very book so. characters. And uh, James Gunn, I think, did a great job of, of finding their quirkiness and yeah. uh, playing into that. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And so I was just instantly kind of obsessed with Guardians. And uh, uh, so I, I loved the first two movies. And I loved this one, too. Um, I, I've, I, I just enjoyed them all in terms of how I would rank them. Yeah. I think I would go one. I think the first one's my top one. Yeah. Uh, three. Yeah. Two. Yeah. I think I, I would put this right. new one in the middle. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Where do you, uh, uh, where do well, you, put I, I'm with you. I absolutely yeah. loved the whole idea and what he's done mm -hmm. with it. How he's got these broken folks from broken homes, choosing each other and, and saving the universe as they can't mm -hmm. learn how to be family together. I love the whole storyline. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll say the first Guardians is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those movies that's made near perfection. Uh, mm -hmm. Two, I liked it a lot. I found it very entertaining. I love the soundtrack. Uh, the, and I found it a lot of fun to follow along, but I didn't put it anywhere quite as near yeah. as the ranking I put on one. Yeah. This one, I put just barely above two. There's lots yes. that so I love. Same order. Same order. With, with, with maybe a little bigger there. gap. Maybe a little bigger yeah, gap. Right. Like I put three and two. They're close. They're really close mm -hmm. for me, but they are a pretty good drop off of the first movie, which I thought, was just brilliant filmmaking and one of my yes. all-time my favorites. But I, I that isn't to say I didn't enjoy this movie. I loved this movie. Uh, yeah, you know, it's the 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 old line. I laughed, I cried. It became a part of me. I mean, I really did all of that. It was it was yep. so good, so good. Uh, but before we get from a superhero long, movie, a superhero yeah. movie, Mark, right? right? Exactly. That, yeah, that's it's how like, wonderful these I, movies are. Not just a superhero movie that I laughed and cried, it became a part of me, yeah. but a superhero movie that at least in this iteration, and we're going to get to this question in a minute, uh, yeah. even going, linking backwards, a superhero movie whose primary star was an animated rock uh, uh, raccoon <laughs> and right. emoted as much emotion as anybody in the entire film. It was absolutely... Yeah. Mm -hmm. stunning what they did with that character this time around yeah. it was uh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing so but let's let's real quickly though did you so you didn't rank it quite as high as the first one right what things in it caused you to kind of like say okay that could have been done better or this was something i didn't quite think landed what what were your your places there and then we can get into our real deep just having fun <laughs> talking about how much we loved it <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So I think, first of all, one of the reasons that um, that I ranked it above the second one is that mm -hmm. I think it was larger in scale and scope, Absolutely. and it was a good epic conclusion to yeah. this this trilogy. And I liked it as a conclusion, and yeah. and I thought the scale was larger, and so that's why for me it was it was not just a little bit above the second one, but but quite a bit above the second one. But I don't think that uh, it did as much in terms of um, in terms of establishing uh, and developing a lot of the characters. I think for uh, Rocket, we got a lot of character mm -hmm. development. And I loved the exploration of Rocket's character because we haven't gotten a ton of that. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, to see to see a raccoon, ah. you know, pulling you in. And I mean, how, how great is it that uh, finally... Uh, after all this protest, three more than three films, because we've got the right. Avengers films too, where he, I'm yeah. not a raccoon, I'm not a raccoon, <laughs> where he finally embraces Rocket Raccoon. Raccoon, yeah. Um, I, I, I think in terms of some of the character developments, uh, there, there was some stuff that that maybe need to be uh, adjusted. So, but I, I felt like in terms of pacing, I felt like it was good. Uh, I mm. felt like the visuals were good. Oh, I don't have a ton of I don't have a ton of criticism with yeah. the film. I, well, I, I, but you, what, what do you what do you think, Mark? Well, I, I I actually disagree. I thought the characters yeah. were all handled perfectly. I loved yeah. how we were kind of on the back end of their story arches and, and yeah. each one of them felt like they had a satisfactory kind of wrapping up of mm -hmm. their story, their character's story arch. Yeah. I really appreciated that. Some of my issues were um, one, I did think that the pacing, particularly at the very beginning was a little off. It felt like mm -hmm. it was plodding along. And if you're developing a backstory or a, or a new character storyline, I don't have much problem with that. I appreciate taking the time to yeah. do that. And, and if anything, I kind of feel like, um, that would have been a great place. One of my criticism is the high evolutionary, the main bad guy here. Mm -hmm. um, I needed more of his backstory to understand why he is the way he is. That mm. felt like he could have been a more developed character that. So it was, for me, the pace, it was a little slow and, and, and I'm fine. if they would have done something different with it, I might've liked it. I also felt like the flashbacks had kind of weird cuts. There were moments where it mm. felt like almost like jarring the cut and sometimes you're doing it for a purpose. It didn't feel like there was a purpose in it. And then the, my last critique, and there's going to be people who yeah. hate me for this. I really didn't care for the soundtrack the way I have cared about the soundtrack <laughs> up until now. And that's both that's both the orchestral soundtrack yeah. and the songs. The songs, the lyrics of the songs were perfect yeah. and unbelievable how yeah. they matched up to what was going on. But the energy of the songs didn't bring to the movie what they used to. I mean, you had the Beastie Boy, No Sleep to Brooklyn. So that was a great one that did bring the energy. Yeah. But there were just so many, I think, that didn't land squarely for me. So I was critiques... there for the soundtrack, man. I, uh, yeah. See, this. I think, I think this is are. the challenge of Marvel. Here we both, you got two people who, who love the series, who love yeah. Marvel, and who fall in, in different places on, on the character yeah. development and the pacing. This is the, this is the <laughs> challenge, man. Right? Um, they're fair. trying to no, please what, the fans. It's very fair. It's very yeah. fair. It's very fair. And yeah. I'll be honest, I, and, and, and I'm not making this as yeah. a joke like I sometimes do. I think yeah. the age difference might have to do something with, uh, about it because yeah. uh, they, they, you know, they brought in songs from the late 1990s, early 2000s, yeah, yeah. which were songs I liked. 
but they just didn't feel like as as much of, of a throwback kind of, oh, yeah, they're pulling these songs, which is sort of what was great about the first one is it felt like they were pulling yeah. back these old songs and doing yeah. the soundtrack and this kind of, uh, anyway, let's, let's, let's move forward. Let's move <laughs> okay. forward. So one of the things that Gunn has said is that yeah. from the very beginning, this hat that that this all three of these that Rocket was the quote secret pro, uh, protagonist of the whole show mm-hmm. of the entire trilogy. What what do yeah. you think he meant by that? I mean, we even have uh, Lila who says, uh, "My beloved raccoon, the stories was yours all along. You just didn't know it." Which I felt yeah. like was him trying to tell the audience, "Wink, wink, nudge, nudge." And that's a quote we're right. going to come back to and fill in a little bit more. But why why do you think he called Rocket, the secret protagonist of the whole thing. Rocket was secretly the one who kind of brought everyone together, and you don't expect it because he's always kind of he's he's gruff and he's kind of brutal uh, throughout yeah. the uh, throughout the series. And in this one in particular, as you see his story unfold, and I mean, you know, it's about it's about a raccoon <laughs> gaining like sentience, but. I mean, the emotional weight of a raccoon gaining <laughs> sentience really kind of pulls. I mean, it really pulls you in, and you care about yeah. those animals. You know, crazy, you right? want those yeah. animals to to uh, to make it. And yeah. I, I mean, I felt more emotionally attached to that band of four animals who are gaining sentience than to to than to a lot of the characters in the MCU. You know, as we're as yeah. we're uh, going with them. So I think that. Ultimately, it is Rocket who really solidifies the relationship of of the Guardians, even though they've got a strong relationship before and already kind of see themselves as family. It is in in this one in particular, it's going to save Rocket that brings them all back together and uh, and kind of solidifies their place as a family who doesn't even necessarily need to be together to continue to be family. Um, so that's kind of where I see Rocket. How about you? What do you think? Uh, Gun uh, I, I, I think with? that that's definitely part of it. Guns also said that uh, when he was approached about doing it, that Rocket's yeah. what made him decide. Like when he was first approached, he wasn't sure. And then on the ride home yeah. in the car, he thought about Rocket and he thought about mm. how sad his backstory was and how, yeah. and he was like, that's something I can work with. And so I think Rocket is sort of the reflection of everybody that that comes together, and frankly, the reflection of all of us. It's just more obvious. It's more obvious that he is broken. You can see it on his yeah. body, um, mm-hmm. and it's obvious that he's mad about it. And, and but it's also sort of obvious that he's trying to figure out where he fits in. Right. And when you look at each one of the characters, that's all of them. And so yeah. for me, I, it's almost like he's saying he is the mirror that 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 all of them see themselves in brings them all together for him um mm. so a couple of questions here first of all yeah i evolutionary who's yeah. worse him or thanos uh, <laughs> oh now um uh, this okay so in well ah uh, this is this is hard man i yeah. okay for different reasons, and my mental process here that I so eloquently articulated in ooh, ah, mm, <laughs> is uh, Thanos uh, snaps his fingers, right, and gets rid of half of everybody, uh, half, yeah. half of everybody, right? And but, but he does it ultimately 
for what he interprets as noble reasons, right? To actually right. save the universe. Uh, uh-huh. But the, obviously that's problematic, but, but <laughs> he's going through and he causes more damage. Uh, the high evolutionary sees himself as God. Um, yeah. And, and but is he not also, does he not also think that he's making wanting a better world? Just like Thanos? Uh, I don't, I don't. I don't so he, he says that he wants to create a perfect race and a perfect society. A perfect species in a perfect society. But I don't think he actually wants to do that. Um, well, I don't think he Rock, has any interest. Rocket literally says he doesn't. Rocket yes, says that's he doesn't right. want to make the world a better place. He just doesn't like the way it is. So that's I'm right. with you. And, and I, think, you. I, think he's, I think he is only interested in his own self-service. Yeah. And so, and so that's why I'm saying, in terms yeah. of motivation, I agree. I think the high evolutionary is worse. In I terms agree. of actual impact, I think it's Thanos. Uh, but uh, right. I think the high evolutionary has the cap- capacity to make yeah. things even worse. Completely agree. Okay, next question. Yeah, Adam Warlock. I got yeah. two on him. You, we, we're going to keep these kind of focused and brief. Is okay, he so don't. To be- uh, yeah, please stop. Uh, is he supposed to be Marvel's Shazam? Uh, we'll, have, I mean, he, we'll have to right? see. He's kind of childish, and he's got all these superpowers, but he really is kind of a doofus. I don't know. It feels like he is. We'll but have also, to see. We'll see how they use him in the next movie. Yeah. With a more serious question, though. Yeah. What, what was the actual value of him being in the storyline? I mean, if you take him out, how does it change anything? I mean, to me, he felt like, an annoyance it's like why do you keep showing like why is that guy here like i was into this and now this guy's showing up and it's throwing everything off but you're not really doing anything with him there's no i don't know he's kind of he's the catalyst at the beginning that set them on their adventure but the catalyst stuck around that was the annoyance right. of it. Like, yeah. I, I think you're right. He didn't have any other purpose other yeah, than just, to get the and there's started. nothing he did that you couldn't have given to a another character Ultimately, True. I would say. True. I mean, but you, you could have. It wouldn't have been beautiful. Guess, wouldn't have been. Of. Wouldn't have been beautiful if Gamora, who had had this love, this kind of hate relationship with Star Lord, had been the one who saved him when he was about to freeze in space. It could. I could have set that up. Anybody could have hurt Rocket. I just feel like it was a kind of a useless character. I don't know. Okay. Last question before we move on to our next segment. Yes. Is it bad? That I'd rather see a new movie about Gamora and her Ravager, uh, Ravager family than about the new Guardians that they set up. I uh, know because I felt the same way. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it though is uh, uh, Zoe Saldana. She's she's just charismatic yeah. and she's such a great actress that uh, yeah. I'd watch anything she's in. <laughs> but also, I just think the characters yeah. with the Ravager family are much more interesting. Even though I'm not a big Sylvester Stallone fan. The rest of them are so much more interesting. Yeah. And the Guardians that they set up are kind of like, man, I'm glad Groot and Rocket are still together. I don't know. It just, just and, and the feel... and the rest of it feels like B team. I think that's yeah. I think that's one of Marvel's biggest problems right yeah. now in this current phase, is it feels like it's B or C team coming out. And I think it's harder right. for people to get excited about all of that. Yeah, I completely agree. That's definitely one of the struggles that they have. We've lost all of the heroes that created 
the Marvel Universe, and uh, they're trying to figure out how to bring in new ones, and they're kind of stumbling a bit. All right, we could go on and on. We could geek out more and more, but it's important that we get on to our theological and political perspectives on this fun and very good movie. Uh, so let's take a quick break, have another drink, and uh, come back on the other side of the drop. And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are moving into our Theopolitico segment where we will talk about theology and politics of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So uh, this was a a really fun movie, uh, a lot there. And the high evolutionary antagonist really caught my attention, Mark. And Mm -hmm. he really made me think about a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that he says when he's on the bridge of his ship is there is no God. That's why I stepped in. Um, I'm curious, do you see this happening anywhere in our society or in the church? Uh, People (laughs) taking the place of God and uh, and making decisions as if they are God. Well, uh, let's take take it in two separate takes first political then let's go to the church um yeah clearly politically particularly in the more conservative arm of our politics in the united states there are folks who think that they speak for god and or at least try to use the voice of god and i suspect uh that uh the fear of god that their literal that their supposed literal interpretation of the bible should bring to them isn't actually present they probably doubt that there is a god and just recognize God as a great manipulative tool, the opiate of the masses, as it were. Mm-hmm. And so we see them trying to uh, play God in the way that they uh, limit the rights, uh, the human rights of a lot of folks, and, they, and they're doing it very much in a non-Christian way. The church, though, I actually, one of my big criticisms of the church is that the church has become God itself, that mm-hmm. we... Uh, I call it churchianity rather than Christianity. It's folks who are worshiping the system and the hierarchy and the institution rather than trying to understand this thing that we call God and be in a relationship with it and and have it impact how we act in the world. Instead, we see folks that are just defending the church and using it as a way to, this plays right back into the movie, feel like they are somehow better than and have a more evolved uh, life than other folks, which is one of the main themes of, of particularly this, of the third installment of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. The high evolutionary is very much believing that there is a way of creating a fully superior race. And it's very clear in terms, as far as I'm concerned, that, that um, part of the message here is that Uh, We are all sort of beautiful in our brokenness. I don't like the word brokenness, but in the places that we might call faults, uh, that's sort of what makes us great. You've got the high evolutionary trying to uh, eliminate faults, and then you have the guardians of the galaxy who are all learning to own their faults and uh, live into them and see them 
see each other as beautiful in spite of them, or maybe just because of them. So uh, I think the church is, is losing its way. What do you think? Yeah, I think in terms of politics, certainly that the uh, the folks on the right have just exploited religion in a way to gain power. And I don't think they care one way or another about religion or about God. I think it is just uh, exactly as you said, uh, a way to get people to vote against themselves, to make people yeah. into single issue voters um, and to get people uh, away from asking really kind of tough political questions. So I think yeah. absolutely that's how we're using religion in this country. And mm. uh, I think in terms of the church, yeah, I think we make the church into an idol. I think we make yeah. the Bible into an idol. Absolutely. I think yeah. we're not really interested in seeing God in the faces of our neighbors. Uh, we, we as Christianity mm. has been practiced in the United States, much more interested in using the Bible and the church as a weapon than as a tool to worship God. Uh, and so I think that listen. if, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm accused of heresy a lot, and I know you are too, Mark. <laughs> and I think if there's a heresy, it's that. Yeah, you're <laughs> That's right. the heresy. I'm... People worshiping the church and the Bible. Preach, okay? preach, brother, yeah. preach. Ah, I'm with you. Okay, so <laughs> I knew you would be yeah, somehow absolutely. or another. I don't know. Why. <laughs> okay, so I this high evolutionary guy, man. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's mm -hmm. he creates a better world on counter Earth. He he says it's going to be a better world, right? But it it really is just like a 1980s Earth with like right. animal people. Um, <laughs> right. So and Star Lord points this out to him yeah. right yeah. uh absolutely it's an octopus, the octopus guy, guy drugs off of the selling meth to the to the rope. yeah is this a better world so hey is it possible to create a better world and are human beings the problem ah isn't that an interesting question so is it possible to create a better world yes but it has nothing to do with perfecting people it has mm -hmm. everything to do with learning to love people, even with what we might otherwise judge as faults, to seeing them for who they fully are and loving them in all of it. Yes, we can create a better world if we can figure out how, how to do that. Uh, are, are, are humans at fault? Well, yeah, uh, we are, but that doesn't mean that if whatever would, would replace us wouldn't also be at fault. There is a amount of hubris of being on the the highest piece on the on the on the uh, on the evolutionary scale that ha definitely happens. But love is the answer, man. You've got to go back to figuring out how to love. So humans are at fault, but there there is they are also the potential for for creating heaven on earth. You know, for understanding that we are all reflections of this thing we call God and that there is beauty in each of us. And there is that provides great potential to love all folks. I mean, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think human beings are the problem and human beings are also a part of the answer that mm -hmm. if, if we can get over ourselves and we can yeah. uh, try to come together, as you said, I, I think that we can accomplish a lot. And I think that was Jesus's message primarily Absolutely. is yeah. that if we can stop getting so wrapped up in the stuff that we think is important for him. It was, it was legalism and it was purity laws and things like that. But right. if we can stop getting wrapped up in whatever it is that we think uh, is significant, maybe in, in our 
world, it's it's uh, it's race or it's sexual orientation or it's gender identity or say if we can stop trying to define people in one particular way and we can see people as sacred as they are, then I think that uh, that we can create something better. What Jesus called the reign of God on earth, I think it's possible to create that if we can get over ourselves. But man, it is it is hard to get over ourselves. It is, and it's particularly hard when you have uh, politicians and commercials and everything else that we get exposed to trying to encourage us to feel like we are better than other people. And that, mm -hmm. I think, is part of what the warning of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is really about, is that this high evolutionary is trying to create this world that's so much better than all the stuff that exists, and that's his main folly. Like, yeah. that's not going to happen. You, The only way you do it is by being real about what is is there and loving it no matter what seeing god in all things and i think back to your earlier point about rocket being the the heart and soul of this i think the mm -hmm. moment when that is driven home in the movie is whenever we see that despite all these perfect beings that he has created none of them possesses the uniqueness that is rocket and that is what he needs is yeah. The, the imperfection of, of Rocket uh, to, yeah. to make his perfect society a little bit more perfect. Absolutely. And, and what Lila says about Rocket and yeah. why he's more special is interesting. Yeah. She says, there are the hands that make up, uh, and then there are the hands that guide the hands. Like, they're the mm -hmm. hands that, that do what we're doing, but they're the hands that guide the hands. Which seems to be, am, am I not wrong, that there's the hands that makes us, and then there's right. the hands that guide the hands. It seems that that's pointing to some higher being, some some divine something that guides what happens. Is, was that your take on that? And and, and, and what's the yeah? That was there? an interesting. That whole sequence was interesting because this is when Rocket is dying and he's going, of course, towards the light and to to Lila. Right. And so I th I think that it is ma making that commentary on on him joining his his friends and some kind right. of a, a higher being. And so yeah, that's what I read into that 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 there was some kind of greater plan kind of thing there. Helpful, though? I mean, is that really like there was, that was the moment where it's, I was like, Oh, it's not why helpful. Did we, why did we it's have not to... helpful as we, as we've, as we've already, I mean, as we've already talked, as we often talk about that, even, even though you are a Presbyterian, Mark and a good Presbyterian uh, believes in predestination. That <laughs> uh, no, that's as as we both agree that that's never help. That's never a helpful line no. of thinking, really, to it, think that we're um, not ultimately kind of in control of. I, I, there are things that are beyond our control, but I think ultimately our own, you know, uh, self uh, self drivenness yeah. and our our own. Uh, control of ourselves is yeah. uh, is ultimately what it's about and it's so weird to do that in the midst of a movie whose larger story seems to be about how important it is to recognize that we all have faults we all have yeah. our issues and that we should accept yeah. and love all them and then to sit in but there's this one person who's a little more <laughs> special than everybody else and the divine is the one that made that happen i, I just felt off i don't know it, I I agree with you, and I think it if 
feels off in in any movie, and I think especially if you're looking for bad theology, uh, yeah. sometimes so a lot of times the good theology comes whenever they're not trying to make a theo- theological statement at all. Yes, but whenever fair. people try yeah. to make an explicit theological statement, it's almost always bad theology that we get. Hey, I've got one more question, Mark. Yeah, I know we're go. coming to the end let's of the segment, but let's I've got to know this. Um, so. At the end, one of the the refrains that we get is that everyone deserves a second chance. Uh, I'm curious, Mark, does everyone always deserve a second chance? And what about third chances and fourth chances? Is right. there ever a time when you kind of run out of chances? Or is the Christian imperative to forgive seven times seven you know, right. times is is that uh, is is that something that continues in perpetuity? How do we relate to that second chance business as Christians? Well, I believe yeah, everybody does de- potentially deserves a second chance, mm-hmm. depending on their owning what the issue that created the need for a second chance is. I think that's essential to getting a second chance. But there is a point at which a person, particularly, well, when you look at this movie, you look at the high evolutionary and how mm-hmm. abusive he is. There mm-hmm. is a point at which everyone doesn't deserve a, a third or a fourth or a fifth chance, where you recognize them for who they are because they're not owning up to what created the need for a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance, and saying, until you do your own work, until you get the kind of a processing that is necessary, it is not my responsibility to be okay with you. As a matter of fact, good self-care tells me I need to distance myself and to create a space where you you don't get any closer than what I get to define that's going to be. That's physically, emotionally, and on all kinds of ways. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, What's your what? what yeah. How do you see that? Yeah, you're right. You're right on. I I think yeah, it depends on the nature of the offense. How how badly has someone wronged you on whether or not mm-hmm. they have access to you? But I think putting up a gate there and and uh, creating a safe distance that there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I don't think that cheapens forgiveness. So sometimes no. and it doesn't cheapen that. love either. You can still no. love a person and say yes. I want better for you, but right now yeah. you don't get that access to me. And I think what it is most of the time is people being uncomfortable with that kind of confrontation and setting yeah. those boundaries. Because the way yeah. that you just articulated that, Mark, you you named the feeling, you named the boundary, and you named how it was going to be enforced. And people yeah. don't really want to do that. What they want yeah. is some kind of forgiveness that uh, that gets everything back to status quo, even if that is not healthy for you or the other person. And I think exactly. uh, sta- uh, returning to some degree of health is ultimately what forgiveness is about. It's about health 100%. for yourself, a healthy relationship, health for the other person. And sometimes that includes a real strict setting and enforcing of boundaries. So I think Absolutely. you're right that there's not always the third, fourth chance. And right. that doesn't that doesn't mean that you're but not that forgiving also, or and loving. And it also doesn't mean that there might not be a seventh or eighth chance down the road once the person does the work that is necessary and have proven in an acceptable way to someone else that that's actually going on. There might be a chance mm-hmm. at some point, but it's, yeah, I'm with you. It's not always I right understand. now. That's another not problem we right have, now. right? We want um, immediacy. Immediate. Oh, yep. 
Hey, there's a lot here for a superhero this, this, movie. And just as I would love to geek out with you for uh, an hour about this, I would also like to talk about theology oh, yeah. and politics of this for an yes. hour. But you know what? We have another segment, the Make yes. Me Look Stupid segment. And it would be a real shame not to get to that. Uh, yes. Especially since I don't think I stole a single one you, of your questions today. You didn't. I have three different questions, and you didn't get any of them. So I, I'm feeling successful just on that alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, let's take another drink and let's come back for Make Me Look Stupid. <laughs> Shine Jesus so shows segment of Make Me Look Stupid, where Caleb and I commence to try to make each other look stupid. Uh, so I am hosting this segment of the show, and I'm going to take the option to go ahead and ask my question before you steal it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is a very simple question. It's yeah. not particularly complicated. In volume one uh -huh. of Guardians of the Galaxy, when Rocket is arrested, on his booking sheet, Lila is mentioned as an associate of his. But we now know that she dies before he ever becomes a criminal. How did that happen? I think the, the high evolutionary viewed them as criminals because they were trying to escape from, from the prison of the high well, evolutionary. But, but, but he was, <laughs> she was listed as an associate, not as an, another, but as someone that he is known to associate with in doing his crimes. Right, he the the one crime of breaking free from the jail. Okay. <laughs> they they were in a jailbreak together, Mark. What more? What more do you want? <laughs> so that's all we get for for Lila. That's 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 all that's all I know. Do you, okay? Do you know anything from the comics? Was Lila a more ex extended character in the comics? Honestly, than... I was never a big Guardians of the Galaxy com comic yeah. reader. Uh, I, I've got two answers to this. One, yeah. I think it was just bad writing. Like, I think when they wrote the first one, that they weren't ex they weren't expecting what was going to happen to Lila in the third one. They didn't like. They really did think that maybe she was going to be an associate. Uh, but if you were to retcon it to try to figure out how to make it work, I think it was a really sad, which fits kind of well with okay. episode three. Yeah. I think it was a really sad way of looking at it, and it's that that Rocket gets out. He's acting out out of his anger and out of his like being mad at the whole world. And he gets arrested and they ask about his associates. And he is so alone in the world that the only name he can think of is Lila, who died, even though he knows that she's not around. So I think that's you can very retcon it. Heart wrenching answer. Mark. I know, I know, I know. I think that's about the only way I can like retcon it and make it work. But I really think it was that when they wrote it the first time, they weren't thinking that she might die so early in they, uh, Rocket's uh, uh, storyline. They also probably weren't anticipating someone being quite as attentive 
<laughs> you, maybe not. You were. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. And, and this is a good reason why they have why they have to be very careful. Absolutely. Writing. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Let's see, Mark. I've got uh, a question for you. Um, All right. So, one of maybe the most emotionally satisfying uh, mm-hmm. parts of of this movie, and an otherwise very kind of gut wrenching movie, that was uh, was Groot. And so, I'm going to ask you a feelings question. This is this is oh, almost oh. never something I do. Feelings, so, um, nothing more feelings. than feeling. Okay. This is this is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, soundtrack by yes. Mark Sandlin. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so put me uh, on so a coach. We, put me on a coach. Hey, gun. We finally. Hey, gun, if you're listening, gun, I'm your man. Come to me for the next soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, the next one. You've got a whole. You've got a whole DC universe that he's going to need to. Okay. So Groot. We finally get to understand Groot at the yeah. end. I want to know. How you felt to understand group for the first time, Mark, and what you think yeah. the symbolism is there. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that group learned to talk. Like in English. I completely disagree that that's what's going on. Yeah, no, yeah. There were several times in the movie where we see characters starting to be better at understanding what group mm-hmm. says. Um yeah. At the end of volume one, we have Groot saying, we are Groot. Uh-huh. And I feel like this was, and it was just about the Guardians. Yeah. I felt like this was when he says, uh, I love you guys. Yeah. That was our being included in we are Groot. That was, yeah. we have been through three uh, Guardians films, a couple other films with him in it. And we are now part of the family, and we now get to understand what he means when he says, "I am Groot." That was yeah. my interpretation. I mean, no, that was I'm right. I'm not, I'm right there with you. I I hadn't heard people saying he learned English because that's I, I several I've that. seen Mrs. folks that, that are like, "Oh, it is great that Groot is now talking." No, that misses. Like, yeah, I'm with you. It misses the point because whenever I was there, I'm like. We're a part of the Guardians. Like when, exactly. I'm like, how I'm like, cool is that? All of us here in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Because because Gamora throughout the throughout the thing yeah. said, how, how, you know, she kept saying, "How do you guys understand him? You're just making that up, right?" Yeah. And it wasn't just her understanding it. I think it was all of us. And so, yeah. like for me, that was the emotional closure that I needed yeah. for Guardians of the Galaxy. It gave me like yeah. a. They're all going different ways, but I love you guys. Groot did it for me, and I yeah, I I'm, I love that part. I'm so with you. I appreciate. I'm glad you asked that question. That actually was one of the three questions that I had for you, possibly. So I'm glad. You oh asked that man, question. I should have asked I'm, it earlier. No, I'm glad that I asked. <laughs> that I decided not to let you ask first, so you could steal one of my questions. All right. So listen. Okay. We are back into a little bit of a drought here in terms of big movie releases or yeah. uh, any MCU stuff, any uh, DC stuff, any Disney stuff, any Star Wars stuff. And like, So we need something to watch next week. And you and I have talked a little bit about what we might go to. Okay, yeah. So this is something that neither one of us have watched yet. So don't we know. don't have any opinions going in on uh, this is on Apple TV. It's called Silo. And here's the description. In a ruin and toxic future, 
Thousands live in a giant silo deep <laughs> underground. It's the name. It's the name. <laughs> in a giant silo. I, Sorry, you please I, continue. I, I don't know, Mark. <laughs> As its sheriff breaks a cardinal rule and residents die mysteriously, engineer Juliet starts to uncover shocking secrets and the truth behind the silo. Okay, right. so next week's silo, what do you think, Mark? I think it'll be fun, and it's not too heavy of an investment for folks. There's only two episodes out now. Uh, the third one comes out Friday, so we'll do all three. Um, and, yeah, it's another toxic future kind of show. But, I mean, that's just the cycle we're in right now. There's probably great reasons for it. So who knows, depending on how they handle it, maybe it's something we'll talk about. But uh, there's been some moderately good reviews about it already. Uh, right now, it's currently a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we'll hey. see. I think it could be fun. I think so too. I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I, I hope everyone will, will watch that as well. Hey, Mark, should we tell them about what's coming up in July? Let's should do, we remind folks do. what's happening? Let's do. We're, I mean, we're all excited. I hope that everyone's aware of the Wild Goose Festival, right, Caleb? Uh, I hope so because it is so much fun. We yeah. get to go outside North Carolina. You know, uh, Mark and I are going to be together in person Woo-hoo. again. For It'll the third be, time uh, ever. Third time ever. We're going to be doing this together. <laughs> and if you're there, uh, yeah. we're going to have a discount code for you soon. But we're going to have yeah. lots of awesome swag, swag. for anyone yeah. who's there in person, right? We'll have, we'll have T-shirts. We're going to have some Moonshine Jesus jugs. We're going to have yeah. uh, stickers. We'll probably have some Huggies. We're going to have plenty to give away. I got to tell you, those Moonshine Jesus jugs, the jugs in the shape of our Moonshine Jesus logo are some of the most popular things. Everyone (laughs) wants one of these jugs. And uh, we had had a good time drinking from those. Absolutely. And we'll have probably, you know, around 24 or so of those to give away. So show up to the show and maybe you'll be one of the lucky folks that that, uh, get to to enjoy it. Matter of fact, I would say show up early because earlier you get to... Uh, wherever we get p- placed in the Wild Goose lineup, the more likely you are to get one of those jugs because they go fast. Uh, well, we're also going to have we're also going to have our classic from the first time that Moonshine Jesus show was around. We created a T-shirt with also with the the, the jug on it, uh, but the lettering on it simply says "Shine" as in moonshine. Shine Jesus, shine. Also very popular. We'll have a bunch of those. Last time, every one of them were gone, and people were still asking about them. So, again, you want to be there for that. And there's nothing quite like the looks you get walking (laughs) down the street with a shine Jesus shine shirt on and a big old moonshine jug. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. It's so true. All right. We want to thank you all for uh, listening to the show, for tuning in live, or for listening back on your podcast. You are the folks that make this possible, and we're so grateful for you. Uh, but that said, we uh, will uh, wrap up the show and we'll see you the next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody's sky. Moonshine.